Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What's up, Animation Deliberation listeners? Thanks for tuning in. As always, this is Jay Scotty. Wanted to hop in. This is already a lengthier episode, so at the risk of making it even longer, I just had to hop in and say uh, we recorded this podcast on Monday, and normally I I will edit the podcast that same night, but uh, due to issues outside of our control, I didn't end up up starting the edit until Tuesday, which actually worked out kind of nicely because... That just seems to be the way the world works. We record and then something big happens. And sure enough, we got the release of the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailer. And just wanted to provide some quick thoughts. I'm sure later on when Zuhair, Andrew, and myself can all get together, we will dive really deep into this thing. But I just had to to gush about it a little bit. Uh, Looks incredible. The first two-thirds of the trailer really are focused on... Miles and his mother, you've got his mother providing this dialogue that, you know, it's it's a coming-of-age story again. Like, he was this boy, he got these powers, but now he's really a man, and she has this sense of protectiveness for him. And no matter where he goes, she wants him to protect that, that inner child, which I don't know if that speaks to, like, how much she knows about what's going on with the interdimensional travel. Maybe he knows that he's going to have to travel to another dimension and it might be a permanent change. We've certainly seen that happen with Miles Morales' character in the comics with Secret Wars. The fallout of that, him being going going from the Ultimate Verse, being stuck in the 616. So um, I noticed they have the little watches on their wrists, which seems to negate what we saw in the first film where they kind of glitched out when they weren't in their respective universes. So, um, yeah, like I said, the first two two thirds of the trailer really seemed to be focused on Miles and his mom. And then after that, like the pace of the trailer completely changes. It's like over the top, the music kicks in. We're seeing such an array of characters. It was hard to keep track. I know we saw Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara with his mask off. Uh, Seems like he's going to be at least initially, in a very at-odds position with Miles. And I think Gwen had the dialogue, like, we're supposed to be the heroes, and Miles replies, we are. So that makes me wonder, like, how connected is this going to be to, like, Spider-Man No Way Home or even, like, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness at the end of that film? We got Clea showing up talking about incursions, or those even came up uh, within the film itself. So I'm wondering if these friends that have been visiting each other across dimensions and whatnot if they have started to create incursions of their own that put them at odds with people like Spider-Man 2099. And yeah, just uh, really look forward to seeing more of this thing, but it just looks like it's going to be even bigger and better. And the emotional through line is definitely going to be there Um, with it being just about him and his mom in that moment. It makes me wonder, did something happen to his dad? I know in the comics or even in like the, the video game, that's a major part of Miles' story is losing his dad, much like, Peter's lost Uncle Ben. So, um, yeah, just uh, we'll get back into the regular episode here, but just wanted to let people know that the Spider-Verse across the Spider-Verse trailer is out there. If you want to give us feedback, let us know what your reactions are and help drive that conversation. 
please hit us up on all our social medias, Animation Deliberation, Animation Deliberation Podcast. And then our email is animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com. And let's get back into this My Hero Academia slash anime episode. Thanks. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. On another exciting entry of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, we called it, we called it, we called it, we called it, and we're going to talk about it right after these ads we have no control over. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yo, welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, where we take action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We are your hosts. I am Zuhara Lee. My name is Jay Scotty St. Clair. And I am Andrew Rogers. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about with My Hero Academia this week. As we said at the top, we called it. We're excited to talk about it as if the drama wasn't high enough. The show finds a way to still blow it out of proportions. But first, we have some very excited news. And it is actual news this time from Demon Slayer. They have announced that finally we are getting a theatrical release again. They are dropping the last two fantastic episodes of the Entertainment District arc, along with an extended one-hour release of the Sources Village arc in theaters March 3rd, 2023. How excited are you guys for this? The fact that we actually got news after all these teases, <laughs> I think, is like uh, one of the, the biggest takeaways. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely exciting. It feels like a really long time ago that we got that um, Season 3 trailer. So to know... There's a specific date this spring that we can look forward to to be back in the world of Demon Slayer. I'm definitely excited and grateful to have some solid news. Oh, yeah. And I mean, putting it in a theater just has me so amped and ready to go. Like, I liked the first season of Demon Slayer. Seeing Mugen Train was what fully sold me. Getting it on the big screen, getting that sound, just being so totally in your face. And also, the last two episodes of The Entertainment District, that on the big screen, oh, it's going to be absolutely (laughs) amazing. I would pay to see the whole thing on the big screen so that we could get all of it. But even still, just the action that happens, cannot wait for the music, the intensity, just to be Oh, so in your face. So yeah, it's going to be great. And then more is better. So Swordsmith Village, give it to us. I I don't know what it is. I've been avoiding spoilers as much as I can, but it's just the excitement for sure. I'm I'm not going to be too greedy, but like if we could get from when Tanjiro interacts with Dobby for the first time until the end, 
So we get to see all of Nezuko's freak out and Uzui's entrance and Giotaro's up until the end. That would be fantastic. But we get the beautiful parts and we're here for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the Swordsmith Village itself does not have a specific date, but it is guaranteed for April 2023. So it'll have its theatrical release. We're definitely going to talk about it. Like the second that those tickets are available, I'm hopping on them. And then we're going to get right into the weekly stuff. It's super exciting. Yeah, given how well Mugen Train performed in theaters, I expect uh, this release might break some records in terms of just like anime film pre-ticket sales. We're definitely going to do our part to contribute and pad those numbers. Especially because if you're out there listening and this is the first you're hearing of it, um, it's going to be that theatrical release like we said on March 3rd. But keep in mind, it will not be streaming until April at some point. So it's not like you could just be like, oh, I'll I'll watch it on streaming when it comes out in March. No, you have to go to the theater <laughs> if you don't want that first bit spoiled. So like, make sure you are doing your part, support it in the theater. I know tickets can be expensive, but like, make an event out of it if you are in that position. That's always the best way to do that. All these manga readers are like, ha, nerds. Yeah, dude, $450 million around the world during COVID. Woo! Yeah, that was my first movie post-COVID. Like, oh, I wow. can vividly nice. remember Mugen Not only was, was that my best friend's first movie, because he was like, I gotta go to the theater. And I was like, Demon Slayer is pretty good. He was like, I haven't seen any of it. I was like, watch as much as you can between us playing basketball right now and going to the theater. So he got like three or four episodes and went in and he was like, I'm hooked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hate to deviate from this excitement with Demon Slayer, but no, I I do. I generally (laughs) do. But uh, just the mention of, you know, theater performance, ticket sales, all that, uh, you know, it it dovetails nicely into this next segment. I uh, saw earlier today that it was announced that Disney Animation's latest theatrical release, Strange World, starring Jake Gyllenhaal is making its way to streaming on Disney plus December 23rd, which is notable because it only released on November 23rd. So I think that might be the fastest a film has gone from theatrical release right to Disney plus, uh, especially outside of like I granted, you know, the COVID situation is still ongoing, but it doesn't feel like we're, quite in the throws that we were previously. So it feels like the box office has bounced back in a big way. I just think it's really interesting and and kind of curious, the marketing strategy behind this film, because like, had I not been on social media and specifically not been like a member of like geeky and fandom groups, I would have never seen anything for this film. And it looked really interesting, but there was no marketing behind it whatsoever. So um, if that was a movie that you were contemplating going to see, maybe save that movie for another theater experience because it's it's going to hit Disney Plus in just a matter of time here. I remember seeing the trailer for that. I didn't realize it was uh, come and gone that quick. I think the I think you were mentioning the fast. I think the fast one was probably still onward. And that was oh, yeah. COVID. Yeah, that was right um, at the onset. Yeah. But this feels pretty close to that turnaround. I think that movie was like, what, two, three weeks or something? And they were just like, yeah, just getting watched at home. Right. Yeah. I- hmm. Yeah, I I remember it came out and I wanted to see it. I was just busy the weekends it came out because I believe it was a Thanksgiving release. So like, mm-hmm. it's always a bit of a weird time. Uh, I went saw Glass Onion instead. Great movie. If you haven't seen that, uh, go see that. Fantastic. If you like Knives Out. 
Well, um, unfortunately, there was all, Glass Onion was only released in theaters for a week. Very yes. weird release strategy there. So uh, that'll be hitting streaming sooner rather than later. But I was fortunate enough to catch Glass Onion in theaters as well and, and loved it. I thought it was yeah. better than the original, but I digress. I wanted to go, but I was on travel and yeah, it didn't work out. I, I, was, mean, I was dying to take my mom to the theaters for that one. I think it hit Netflix like the same day. So you should be able to watch it. As uh, we speak, it hit the week after because once after. we realized we couldn't go to the theater, we were like, "Let's watch it at home." And it's like, "Dang, it's not going to hit Netflix until it's done with this one week theater release." Is it already on Netflix? I didn't think it was out on Netflix yet, but I could be mistaken. No, I believe that was the part of it was like the week exclusive, and then right to Netflix because it was made entirely by Netflix. But as we divert that, I did want to say, like, yeah. strange, yeah, strange World, it seemed intriguing, but to someone outside of animation, a perfect example, Monica, my lovely partner, she had no interest in seeing this movie. Like, if it, mm. she was just like, it doesn't feel like it's special, it's not going to be anything extra. I'm like, yeah, but I run an animation podcast, so I should probably see this at some point. And then immediately, the only articles I see as soon as I pull it up came from November 28th, right after it came out, saying Disney's going to lose over $100 million on this movie. It's the worst release they've had in 30 years. So it just seemed like it was not going to work in any capacity. It seems still intriguing, but mm-hmm. I have a feeling we're all going to be waiting until it hits Disney Plus to see you know, what it's actually going to look like. Yeah, conceptually, I thought it looked pretty engaging kind of like this throwback to like sci-fi adventure films from like the 1960s kind of that pulpy feel but you know it may go on to have a legacy not unlike like something like treasure planet or atlantis where it's got a a fervent fan base that really dug it it just didn't do as well upon release but it's a shame everybody loves the the convenience of the house because stuff like this with disney animation it's about like taking your kids out and everything too so the price of that and keeping them settled like people just prefer having it in the comfort of their own home and pausing this and that which mm-hmm. sucks for theater lovers but sadly just kind of the world we're shifting to and it could be part of like i remember when lightyear came out and that didn't perform as well as uh you know disney or pixar would have wanted they're suggesting that it might be the fact that soul and turning red were streaming only releases that people got kind of accustomed to the the idea that, Oh, if it's animated, if it's a family film like this, it's for streaming, not for a theatrical, you know, experience, which I hate because I think the theatrical experience is is something to be preserved and cherished, um, especially with animation. But, uh, Hopefully this isn't a sign of of the times. Hopefully, you know, we'll see more animated theatrical releases continue to do well, just like the aforementioned uh, Demon Slayer. Yeah, honestly, if it has to happen in any way, Disney just start taking the glass onion approach. Give us, Hmm. you know, a couple weeks for these animated films. Let those of us who want to see it, see it, and then bring it right to streaming fairly close after. I'm okay with that because like, if that's the way you're going to make your money, because there are also a lot of people that have poor theater experiences. Like I know the three of us go off and uh, Mm. the number of people that it feels like they can't sit through a movie without texting or talking anymore just feels like it goes up every single time I'm in the theater. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we get more of these streaming, it at least lets those of us that want to do the right thing, do the right thing and sit through the theater while everyone else can stream it at home. Yeah, well said. So, 
Speaking of streaming, what do we got in the world of Netflix streaming? Okay, as was mentioned in last week's feedback from Chrissy, Dragon Age Absolution released on December 9th on Netflix. Uh, looks like the first six episodes are available. Um, I have not watched these myself, but I figured, you know, us being an action animation podcast, it was worth another mention. Uh, the reception that I have seen to it is pretty positive. I think um, the one kind of criticism I've seen that's been consistent is that it's not quite as accessible um, as something like, you know, Fox Machina or even like Arcane. Um, if you don't have familiarity with the Dragon Age series, it might be a little more difficult to, to get into or know exactly what's going on with all the characters. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you're a Dragon Age fan or having any, any interest this, in this or have you've already watched it, uh, please let us know if it's something we should uh, spend some time on. Can you answer a question for me, uh, Jay Scotty, about the accessibility? Are there okay. other shows to watch or is it the video game series? Because I know there's a video game series, but is there anything else that like you can do if you don't want to spend 60 hours playing video games to get into this? I, I wish I could answer that question better, but the okay. only answer I really have for it is the the character, and I don't have his name up, but the character that Chrissy mentioned that was voiced by Matt Mercer, apparently he comes directly from Dragon Age Inquisition, which was a video game. Um, so that's yeah, that's all that's all I really have on it, unfortunately. Um well, hopefully one of us will have a chance to give it a shot. If not, yeah. um any of you feel free, Chrissy write us in, tell us how great this is, or tell us if it's not accessible. Like by all means, any feedback like that is always welcome because as we get into 2023, which we're not even going to touch that news, but we were talking recently, how many things are coming out in 2023? Like our list is just going to continue to be long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. It, it's going to be great. And then it's like, what do we put on the anime in it? And what do we talk about? Cause like all of it, I want to talk about every week. <laughs> <laughs> Bad batch will definitely be its own thing. Yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, we say that, but if it's coming out at the same time as either demon slayer or attack on Titan, which are both coming in this spring period, I don't know what is going to happen to our, a, our watch and sleep schedule, but B the podcast schedule is also going to be, off its rocker yeah. all right listeners let us know if we need to start a patreon so that we can quit our jobs and just bring this stuff to you multiple times <laughs> a week <laughs> uh, yeah all that to say we still have what if season two somewhere around the corner and that is going to be a series that gets its own devoted coverage oh yeah it's yeah uh, it's a good thing we live for this but streaming is an empire that never stops to give us more content including a little bit more news that we got from the streaming world this week netflix has announced i i guess not really announced uh we've known for a little while that there's a my hero academia live action adaptation in the works it was announced today that it is attached to Netflix. I don't know if they bought the rights. I don't know if they were the ones that originally put this order out there, but it will now at least have a streaming home on Netflix. And it's intriguing because I still don't know how to feel about a live action adaptation of My Hero because there's just so much of it that is fantastical and feels larger than life. Like you can't actually do it, you know, without going above and beyond. So I'm really, really intrigued. Um, we don't have a first look, but when that happens, I really just want to know what this is going to look like. I'll give it a try. Mm. It's 
it's one of those things where it's like I'm not sure if I actually want them to try the same thing in live action. Like one of the things that was tolerable about Death Note was that they just did a completely different story, but with the same concepts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when it comes to Netflix making live actions, I'm just uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Historically, Attack on Titan, I turned off in the first ten minutes because I got so mad. Which one? Attack on Titan, the live action for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, historically, these live action adaptations have not been received kindly. Uh, I do remember the uh, Full Metal Alchemist one was not great, but it was not terrible. So fun watch, one time watch. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, I re- I'll reserve judgment until we see a, a trailer or get some like legitimate casting news. Uh, but you know, yeah. It's in kind of the same way you have to look forward to it. And in the ether, like we're getting this live action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender, the only one we'll ever get is going to come out soon because they've never (laughs) attempted this before. Um, So, yeah, we just kind of have to wait and see what Netflix has to offer because sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I mean, yeah, it's uh, Netflix is a mixed bag. So, yeah. Ah, mixed bag indeed. Now we got multiple bags with multiple content. And speaking of content, we have a lot of other content to talk about, so let's get to that. We're going to start off with our animated section. This is where, because we have too much stuff to talk about, we're going to break it down into one-minute segments each. Each of us can have a minute to talk about it. If there's anything you guys want to hear about or think that it deserves its own end-of-season episode, let us know. We'll happily talk about it. And we have another guest animate this week. We have Fabian sending an email with his thoughts on Spy Family. Well, I will preface this and say it's not actually an email. Uh, Fabian did reach out to us via a DM on Instagram. That is another great way that you can also submit your feedback. You can follow us at Animation Deliberation uh, on all of your social media platforms. But Fabian just reached out with a short little bit and slide, unlike, baby, slide. <laughs> slide right into those DMs, <laughs> by all means. <laughs> a short little bit relating to Spy X family. So we'll let him have the first minute here. Oh, he says the X. I don't, I never know. <laughs> My favorite show has the X and I still don't know how to say it. <laughs> I think it's Hunter Hunter, but I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay. So Fabian said, I'm loving the podcast. So glad Spy Family is getting the love it deserves. I think season one is close to being over. Don't worry, Yor is going to get a bigger role coming in season two. I'd wager a team up we didn't know we needed. And he did submit this with an image of the team up. A little bit of a spoiler, but not really, oh. because it's a, it's a character we already know. If you're curious what this... Uh, it, image is like i said follow us on our social medias i will put it up on our story zoo you could put those back on just he's taking his headphones off uh no it's a character we already know it's just one of those i agree i wouldn't have put these two characters together doing anything i guess so yeah if you want to find that out check out our instagram story when this uh, podcast goes live if you want to be like zoo hair just you know, skip through the story. I'll put a little spoiler warning for anyone who's too weary. That had to have been more than a minute. Okay, the rest of it was me. (laughs) Fabian did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will actually set my timer in saying that the back half of this episode was fantastic. 
seeing uh, more emotion out of Nightfall in in the light was amazing. The little showdown with Yor, like we loved the typical spy stuff, but I, I want to say it was a little predictable with Twilight and you know using a disguise to swap it out. It was just a matter of when he was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the face off on the tennis court when Yor was just just saw that forearm tight bulk up, just tear apart of the ball. <laughs> like, Oh, like I knew this was going to be intense. Not that intense, mm-hmm. but that back and forth was awesome. <laughs> that false reaction was awesome. I mean, we, I don't think we've had enough of like the whole family together and this interaction with, uh, Anya being in everyone's head and just the commentary. And then after the credits being up in the mountain, working on the swing and stuff, like it was just hilarious. It was just a greatly great, weekly like mental reset Mm. (laughs) yeah i concur uh it was nice to see the conclusion of what was set up in the previous episode and these opponents and the campbell siblings like trying every underhanded thing they can to throw the phony pair off but none of it none of it working out and twilight being just that good and nightfall's responses oh senpai oh senpai i love you (laughs) you prepared for every scenario very impressive uh, yeah, it was it was great. And I just you, you talk about her emotion being showcased in the bl- latter half of the episode, but she had some hilarious uh, reactions. Like when she went to go do the spike, she just has this like look of death on oh, her yeah. face. I was just like <laughs> genuinely scared. Uh, but yeah, the fact that all this effort and strain went into securing this painting and it turns out it was all for this general that just had, you know, a creepy fascination with actresses and musicals. It's just like, yeah, that's spy family for you. And um, I'll seed my time here. Yeah. I don't have too much to add. I will say, I think I laughed the hardest this entire season in this episode. There were so many moments that just had me rolling between you're trying to hit that spike and thinking that she missed to Anya being in the middle of all of it. It was so great across the board, but also why did we need a super Saiyan tennis ball flying at her? I don't know, but I was so in for it. It was such a funny thing to have her inner dialogue just crazy across the screen. And then again, this show does not need to be this beautiful. There's like a 30 second full camera swooping animation scene during that final tennis point uh, with the phony pair. And it's so beautiful to watch them go back and forth the way that they do. Like I just took extreme note and appreciation of this show and it just deserves so much praise. I'm glad we got this two-parter, even if it did feel a little off of a story to get the two-parter with. All right, we are on a short week, so that's it for our Animinute this week. Remember, if uh, you guys have anything that you want to say, if you want to send in your voice, just send a one-minute clip. We'll happily play it. We just love talking with you guys. We love hearing from you guys. And uh, yeah, this is this is always a fun bit to do. But now to move on to the heavy stuff. My Hero Academia, Season 6, Episode 11. We have two emails that pertain to this. Uh, so full spoiler alert going on right now. We're going to hit the synopsis, get into the feedback, and then tell you our thoughts. All right, everybody. I hope you wore your blue suede shoes because it is time for season <laughs> six, episode 11, Dobby's Dance. All right. The episode opens with Beth's genus making his way toward the battlefield via jet. Shoto rescues Deku, Bakugo, and Endeavor from falling, who are all shocked to see Shigaraki still standing, refusing to listen to All for One's order to retreat. Nijure and Ida arrive to warn the others of Gigantomachia's incoming rampage, with Nijure, or Nijure, rather, assisting Shoto in fighting Shigaraki while Ida helps evacuate the injured heroes. 
Meanwhile, Ochako and Toga continue to fight in the abandoned house. Toga reveals she was able to use Uravity's quirk and was able to kill someone using it, which horrifies her. She also realizes that Ochako also likes Deku, leading to a scuffle over his Christmas gift to her. Ochako tells Toga that if she keeps disrupting people's lives, she will have to face the consequences, which she responds to with tears in her eyes. Froppy appears to help Ochako, but Toga is able to escape with Ochako wondering why she started crying. Having her answer, Toga prepares to reunite with the League. Gigantomachia finally arrives to Shigaraki's location and reclaims him just as he's knocked unconscious by Shoto and Nejure's attack. Dabi then unveils himself on the beast's back, revealing his real name, Toya Todoroki. At this time, Skeptic hacks into all televisions across the country broadcasting a confessional from Dabi, revealing his his lineage as Endeavor's oldest son and his abusive past, all in the pursuit of power. Endeavor and Shoto are horrified horrified by the revelation as Dobby gleefully takes joy in the airing of all the airing out of all the dirty laundry, including Hawk's murders of twice and best genus, as well as Hawk's father being a criminal who Endeavor, who Endeavor had locked away. Endeavor is left absolutely speechless thinking about his past raising Toya to be his, his successor and his later death. And Dobby prepares to finish everyone off with his own prominence burn. But suddenly he and the other villains are restrained by metal cables from the sky as an alive best genus enters the battle. All right, before we get to our uh, feedback email and our thoughts, I just got to ask, Andrew, are you satisfied with Skeptic's purpose in all this? Yes, I'm so satisfied. I was like, oh, that's it. (laughs) That's why he did it. As much as everything else crazy was going on, I was like, we got the description. Let's go. (laughs) I think all of our reasons are so satisfying, but yes, a glorified video editor got his light. Hey, not just video editing. He's there as like a PR coach as well. He's like, prostrate yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way that he was like, it's sloppy, but it'll do. Like he wasn't totally satisfied with his work. That was, I think, the best part. (laughs) That was a very short turnaround. So good off on him. Yeah. All right. So the first email that we got is from Dylan Hunsinger. Prepare for this one. First time writing in, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah. Welcome, Dylan. Hey guys, I listened to you all over the summer during the last season of Young Justice, and then sports kind of took over my podcasting. Dude, I'm with you. Uh, Let me know what your teams are, because I'm very curious now. But it just dawned on me today as I caught up on all my podcasts that, oh, there's a new season of My Hero Academia going on. I bet they're covering it. Sure enough, 10 episodes deep. (laughs) A little backstory on how I got into My Hero Academia. I never got into the new anime wave. I watched DBZ, Yu Yu Hakusho, Gundam-type stuff on Toonami, my man. And then I watched Pokemon, Digimon, Beyblade, Metabot stuff on network TV. But my friends had tried to get me to dive in. It wasn't until a snowstorm stranded me in a buddy I work with, with our other buddy in his wife's house, that I was literally forced into watching it. Needless to say, a couple episodes in, I was locked in. I showed my wife the first five seasons, and now we're watching it week by week. Goals. I even got my five and eight year old into it. Goals. So I'm rewatching the first five seasons for the third time in one year. Goals. I got started on the dubs and my ADD won't allow me to watch the sub. So I'm only on episode seven. You'll get there. But I wanted to point out my favorite thing about the music in My Hero Academia since you guys are so complimentary of it. It's whenever something surprising sinister happens, the heavy string ensemble comes in and there's like a skipping distorted effect to it. It literally gives me cold chills every time. You and us both. Also, I hope Hawks is okay. He's my favorite hero and I don't know if they ever said his wings can grow back after being burnt. 
Last thing, when I was watching it with my wife when we met Dobby, she immediately intrigued and wanted to know more about him, like his actual name. So me, not remembering that we never heard his name, Googled it, and that is how I found out about his identity and just stared at my phone for a solid five minutes with my mouth wide open. Anyways, really enjoy the pod. Can't wait to listen along as the season goes on. Keep up the great work and go beyond plus ultra. Dylan. Dylan. I I loved your anime history. Like, I'm exactly in the same boat as you. I started with Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! on Toonami. That's how all that stuff kicked off. Me and one of my best friends, I really actually played Beyblades together after, you know, after classes and stuff. So, yeah, you, you hit me in the nostalgia when I read all that stuff. But yeah, so you like to let it rip, huh? <laughs> yeah, but oh, yeah, I did want after a while. I did want to acknowledge he mentioned Metabots, which was and like, that was the only one I didn't know from that. <laughs> it was very short lived, but uh, it came out. It was coming out when I was like in seventh grade, and I remember it only it like aired at like seven a.m. on Saturday morning, and it was like right at that age where I was like starting to want to sleep in, but I made sure my ass was awake at seven a.m. to watch that episode of Metabots because this was before streaming or DVRs or anything like that. So my man with the Metabots. I don't the even one... know if I've seen this. Sorry. <laughs> I just looked up pictures and I was like, uh, the one thing cool. that I want to address from this email regarding my hero academia before we read our other email is that I felt like I was kind of alone in the fact that it, the connection didn't come to me until this season. Like, I hadn't been watching My Hero Academia all this time thinking, like, oh, yeah, it's totally obvious. And, like, some people who read the manga, then I was like, yeah, this is where I am in the anime. And they were like, yeah, it kind of got obvious, though. And I was like, not, like, when we first saw him obvious, like, as the season progressed, maybe. I think it only started to, like, dawn on me, like, at the end of last season when Izuku and Kanchan were spending time at the Todoroki household. And there was this, like mention of the older child that mm-hmm. had, had passed away. I think that's when the puzzle pieces started to come together for me, but not before that. So I, I wouldn't, you know, chastise yourself too much. I think it was honestly off of somebody's email that made it start clicking because I remember it had like the epiphany while we were recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine was similar. Like someone had to joke about it for me to be like, Oh, wait a, wait a minute. Like, yeah, you got that mention in the last season. It was like, okay, the pieces are coming together. They specifically left this open, yeah. but it still was never clear enough because it was very like, how could we get there? And I would argue this episode doesn't really answer the like how it actually happened. Like we get inklings of it, but there's still enough out there that's like, I, I don't know about this. I need more information. Yeah. What did all for one do? Like I'm there's a missing link to get from how he went from here to villain, whatever that mm. is. Yeah. yeah. Well, this series, I know we have other feedback to get to, but I just wanted to mention like this series, like with its celebration of superhero, su- superhero Um, it feels like it makes like some callbacks to like the golden age of comics and like, the character that's coming to my mind is Bucky, AKA the winter soldier. And while in the, you know, the Marvel cinematic universe adaptation, the, the winter soldier, it was pretty obvious. We didn't have like a, who the hell is Bucky kind of moment here. Um, I imagine for those that like kind of grew up reading those comics and had that revelation there 
and read this manga or didn't see this revelation coming, it kind of had a similar impact there where a former, uh, well, I don't know. We didn't really ever spend time with Toya prior, so we didn't really have that connection, but uh, I still make the comparison. I stand by what I said. To this day, I hate Disney so much for dropping the reveal in the second trailer because I had no idea who the Winter Soldier was. Oh, okay. And I like, in not the trailer, it. he takes the mask off, and I'm like, why the fuck would you do that to me? Mm-hmm. Why would you not leave that for me in the theater? I was so mad. Mm-hmm. I was so mad at that. And that is arguably, in my opinion, the greatest movie in the MCU. Oh, and it's the up fact there. that something imagine if I had that revealed through the movie. Mm. Screw you, Disney, for that. I still hate you for it. I don't care how <laughs> many 27, 30, however movies you have now that were all incredible. Screw you for killing that reveal on the greatest movie in your franchise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna divert hard if we start going down that path. So I'm gonna jump okay. in with our next feedback email. All right. And this one is from Jonathan Kim. Is Jonathan also a first-time writer? I no, no he's written no? a few times. Okay, I I'm just having trouble at this point. We have so many of you, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, I just can't keep straight. So Jonathan wrote in, "Oh man, what an interest by best! What an entrance by best gene." Best genus just has the hardest name to want to pronounce. You fumble it over it, it it's every tough. time. <laughs> the show definitely roped you in. No pun intended. I I think it was intended, uh, (laughs) where you forgot about him and he was just out for the count. Even with a little glimpse at the start of the episode, I totally forgot about him since I was so into the history of the Todoroki family. As a father of three boys myself, I can totally understand the feeling that Endeavor is going through. All the trauma of losing a son, then seeing him alive, no wonder he was so hard on his other kids too. This show still keeps surprising me and ties everything together nicely. Now to see how they will find the end of first part of season six. I keep debating if I want to read the manga, but they do such an amazing job with the animation. I'm glad the studio takes the time between seasons for the manga to get ahead so there really aren't filler episodes. School Festival mini arc actually was part of the manga. Luckily, that... That was as far as I read a few years ago, and the animation plus the amazing soundtrack. I'm glad I didn't read. Keep up the podcast. Enjoy listening to you all, Jonathan. The arc never really felt like, or the the festival arc never really felt like a filler to me. I, oh. I enjoyed like every bit of it. Yeah, same here. It felt like manga filler of like, okay, I need a little time yeah. to cool things down. It wasn't one of those, oh, let's go get ramen filler episodes or a beach episode, as you know the mm. trope goes. It felt that it still had a place in the story. It just wasn't as grand as the rest, I suppose is why and we needed. It. And the important thing of it is like seeing Aries reactions and her like smiling for the first time, like that made all of that feel as canon as it needed to be. Oh yeah. Aerie is the only one that competes with Anya in my terms of <laughs> like the cute character. Nezuko's up there, but I feel like those two are the big heavy lifters in my yeah. eyes. Have you guys seen the last duel with Matt Damon and Adam Driver? I have. Have you? I have not. Okay. So without giving spoilers, like the premise of that movie is that there is an incident that occurs and you see the incident from all three characters perspective the husband the wife and then like the the rival i guess we'll call it 
Sure. And each one being different from the other because it's about how that person remembered it and how that person experienced it and how that person felt. It was interesting putting all that together with Endeavor. Mm. Because as we got this reveal, there's us hearing how he feels as a person versus what Shoto thinks of him versus what his brother thinks of him versus his sister versus his mother. And now for Toya, which is the big reveal that we said, we called it, we called it, we called it, we effing called it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It was very fascinating to me because of how Shoya saw it compared to like what we see Endeavor going through because Shoto's only seen he pushed me, he pushed me, he pushed me. Like I have this scar because of him. Mm-hmm. Where when you see the reaction of how Endeavor was with Shoya, we see the you know, I did want this, but I'm really proud of where he's at and we can make something out of this. And this is really cool. And he's got the same drive as me. Like that, that father son bond of just wanting to push each other was prominently there. And you saw like how his wife was reacting to it, like walking by, but then his son saw it as like, Oh, he only wanted me as a weapon. And he forced his wife into marrying him. So it's like, it's where we even got to see like, how the general population is responding to this broadcast and now Mm. how the people are seeing him because we have the like, is he going to be our number one? And then there was a guy that was cheering for him and now he's doubting his allegiance to the number one hero. And the psychology of the perspectives of this was the coolest thing about the Todoroki family. Yeah, that's a, a, a great point. And you know, the show never really showed it with the flashbacks, but with Dobby, a.k.a. Toya's dialogue there, he he makes mention, like, he put hands on us. And, like, I saw him even do it to the kid that finally had the power set that he wanted, this hot and cold uh, per, uh, quirk, not perk, quirk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we yeah, we know that um, I think this is the first time it's been said as explicitly that – Endeavor was physically abusive, but something I really picked up on there is he said he was thinking about how do I best get revenge on you? I first thought about killing Shoto, but then you became the number one hero. So that just shows how insidious his plan really is. Like he wants to take him down a peg, but on, on such a scale and like the episodes called Dobby's dance and the glee that he has and the movements, like the, Oh, it's just unsettling, but you can tell he's having the time of his life. He has been waiting for this for so long and it really just does have that impact. And, um, when he first made his reveal and he poured that, uh, liquid on his head that undid the dye in his hair, at first I thought it was going to be like gasoline. I thought he was just going to go like, yeah, yeah, I thought he was going to go like kamikaze or or something like that, but a little hair uh, on fire, his whole body. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I do want to have the gaps filled in, and I feel like this is just the beginning, but just the mention that they only found a fragment of his jawbone. Like, how did how how did how do we go from there to where he is now? I'd really like to see that whole backstory filled in, and I expect that we will get more. But uh, oh, yeah. it's off to a, a hell of a start. Oh yeah. And because you know there's gonna be a lot of like interrogations on Endeavor too. Like that whole debrief process is gonna be like spill it now, like you're the face of this country when it comes to heroes. We need the details. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It feels like 
we're going to end this battle and then it's go like the back half of the season might not be battle. It might be the fallout from this of, okay, endeavor what's going on. Hawks, are you going to jail? Like all Mm. of those questions are probably going to come back up, but I just want to go through and say, just to start the best villain monologue ever. I might, I'm just going to throw it out there and say ever like his glee that you said, the way that he's moving, how much exposition it was, but how emotionally gripping every line that he was throwing at him. Oh, it was just absolutely crazy. But this show, we talk about the psychological impact that it had on Endeavor. I'm already questioning the psychological impact it's having on me as the viewer of all of this, because inherently I want to believe that Dobby is an unreliable narrator. As much as he Mm. says that Endeavor was abusive, we get it implied with Shoto, but it's never shown toward Toya as a child. Instead, it's shown as love, as you can be powerful. And it seems like after he was, quote unquote, abandoned by his father, while his father believes that he searched high and low for him, is it unreliable narrator? Is there something going on behind the scenes? It's making me question what's real and what's not. And I feel mm. like that's what's even more interesting is, yeah, we guessed it, but how many other pieces to this puzzle are there that are really going to make this all slot together? Is Endeavor suddenly blaming himself and ready to go out in a blaze of glory? Is that part of why he was standing there because he believes he deserves it or because he was frozen in fear? Which part of this is going to unravel first? And that's not even including all of the unraveling that we get with Best Genus saving them. And now the whole world knowing this information, because again, even if it's false, how does he disprove this to the rest of the world and say, I'm going to maintain the number one status? There's just so much going on out of something that we expected. And that's, I think, the unexpected part. I definitely think um, he was just an absolute shock. He was trying to process the fact that his son was alive. And then you have Shoto yelling at him, like, worry about that later. Like, we're still in this fight right now. Um, But yeah, the biggest plot hole for me was that if he was out training in a woods that the family was familiar with and he survived, like, why didn't he walk home? Like, what happened that he disappeared for so long? Like, was there a fight that led up to that? Um, Was there something that his dad did? Was there something that he misperceived? did all for one intervene in some way like i i how do you not just go home if you're alive so i mean i that's the biggest part that i want to know is like where was that step yeah uh, and, and some well something andrews were you did you have another thought i want to want to let you finish i'm sorry yeah i was just gonna say i think at the very least there's someone else in this equation yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's all for be. one. I don't know. Someone had to save him. Someone had to give the skin grafts, and that's why he's all stapled together. And sure. someone had to replace the jaw. Like, there is right. so much more that it's like, okay, it's there. I can nibble on the pieces. But how? But even still, like, if your father abandoned you to burn in a forest, even if he mm. didn't actually abandon you, and you don't think he's looking for you, it's very easy, I think, to get all of that misconstrued. If we have any Naruto fans listening, I just want to say it reminds me of this Obito arc 100%. Let me know if you agree. (laughs) Okay. Um, I wanted to highlight something that Andrew brought up with, you know, with the flashback, we really only saw Endeavor's kind of like admiration for Toya and like the encouragement there. There was a little scene where he was, you know, had uh, the sister on the ground and the young Toya was kind of pawing at him and he seemed kind of disinterested. But by Endeavor's own admission, there's that scene where he's like, you've got um, 
All Might in the background and Endeavor like looking at him angrily talking about he wanted to use Toya as a tool mm-hmm. to crush his enemies because of his jealousy. And I think that's what, what kind of leads into the mistreatment there is the fact that his children, he did not treat his children. He treated his children as tools. And it's it makes a lot of sense that Toya got the worst of that, even though we haven't you know seen that visually. I, I think it's heavily implied. Yes, the deep episode. Like there wasn't even that much action, but like just yeah. us as the audience processing it with Endeavor. Oh, definitely. Fun. Yeah, there wasn't much action on that side of the coin. We did get the reveal that Baku goes alive for now. Uh, he's still with it, but he's not willing to leave the battlefield, which feels problematic. <laughs> he needs a complete victory, I believe he said. Yeah, there's the complete victory, um, but a very good friend of mine, she gave some feedback. Uh, Jillian, she's a friend of the show, I brought her up. She texted me about this episode, we were going back and forth, and she has some thoughts as to why, and I hate that her thoughts seem correct. And it is, at the very least, he needs to stay alive long enough to tell Best Genist his hero name. We got that tease a while back that he's picked his hero name, but no one knows, hey... Best genus is here. Now he's going to probably say what it is, but does that mean he's going to die after saying it? Or is it just time for them to be proud of each other? Because they are going to be so proud of each other. Like best genus is going to be like, you did this. You did this for your friend. I'm so happy for you. Like I want that moment of them going back and forth so badly and to like actually last. <laughs> did you guys watch the preview for what's happening next episode? I, I can we not do this every I, week? <laughs> I, I, so I know exactly where your okay. your head's at, your hair. Um, yeah, no, no, I do love that. I, I hope it's not the end of Bakugo's story. Um, I know we were talking about how like somebody has to die in this, but you know I'm fine if nobody does. <laughs> these these near calls and people possibly having to retire because of their physical state and the recovery and the they did a really good job with the debrief process during every single incident that they've had. When you see how the students react, how people are feeling, what the impact was, what's going on with the teachers and the heroes. And we're, I'm very excited for that emotional debrief, the mission debrief and everyone just processing all of it. I, I feel like it will be a, because we've watched people die. Sure. They weren't like Mm -hmm. the bigger characters that we know, but it was enough to be impactful. It was enough to be gut wrenching. And I, I think that people are going to make it out of this alive, but just they might, doubt their futures or be in a state that they can't quite recover from or it's yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be a big emotional load oh the aizawa therapy alone of just like hey i've saved some of you but i'm now missing a leg thank you mm-hmm. but also uh how do you feel about everything that has transpired is just going to be yeah. and then just the civilian casualty as well like not only oh. have they lost heroes but how many of them oh, cities <laughs> i was about to say how many of them are not responsible, but are going to feel responsible for these cities. Mm, uh, yeah. Why? Why is an animated show making us have a deep, deep conversation like this? Oh, yeah. there's an arc that I know that's upcoming. That I'm trying not to say anything about. Too. Oh, mm, mm, yeah. Hold, hold your, hold your thoughts yeah, there. I, I'm good. Um, I did want to speak on this whole notion of like whether or not we're going to make make it out of this without anyone dying, and certainly Bakugo feels like a likely candidate as he has the last few episodes, but his, you know, dogged determination here about wanting the complete victory, despite 
vital organs being having having been hit. And we talked about, you know, Endeavor being frozen with this shocking realization. But part of it also is like he acknowledges like one of his lungs is punctured. And like while you've got this like camera just zoomed in on his face with his like pupil shaking, his his chest and shoulders are rising and you can hear the shallow rapid breath happening. So I don't feel like Endeavor's completely out of the woods yet. And we talk about the fallout of all these revelations about his sins of the past. He might not even be around to have to, you know, deal with those. He might go out in a blaze of glory and redeem himself a la Anakin Skywalker, but, and then have Shoto (laughs) kind of have to take up the mantle. But also I feel like there are a few out there that we don't know what their status is. Like Gran Torino was beat up pretty bad. As we mentioned, Midnight was absolutely torn up in Gigantomachia's rampage. So again, she had once people coming in on her, too, I was about to say, she had a lot of villains. Yeah. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. So I mean, once the dust settles, who knows what kind of, you know, aftermath we're going to be dealing with here. Um, I do want to pivot to the Ochako and Toga exchange before we get out of here. But the last thing I wanted to say about this whole arena is compress had a line of dialogue that really, stuck out to me when Dobby made his reveal. He says, Oh, you have like a special lineage too. And I didn't know if he was talking about himself or another character. So I, I, did I miss something there? I'm trying to think like, what are Compress's powers really? I haven't seen them in action in so long. Like I thought maybe is he related to Yayorozo possibly? Compress makes the tiny balls. He compresses things. Okay, so that's what made me think, like, I knew it was something like that that made yeah. me think, like, possibly Yaya Rozo and knowing that she comes from, like, an esteemed family. I would uh, guess it was, I think it was the reveal of um, of Shigaraki that okay. was kind of like the first family thing. And then he was uh, like, oh, now we're adding this to it because us as the audience, we had two big reveals as well. Okay, the only thing that made me think he was talking about himself is it looked like he was going to remove his mask for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I assume it's Shigaraki because like they've even if they don't know specifics, they've known Shigaraki has this vendetta against heroes and there's a reason for it. And like, that's why he's the leader. So it was probably just, oh, you weren't just following along this whole time. You had a special reason to I am that's Mm. kind of what I was thinking. But yeah, no, it was interesting that they all revealed none of them had any idea um, about yeah. what was going on, because I was wondering if he would have shared that at any point or if this is this is it for everyone, because, I mean, obviously, at least, you know, some people had to know they helped him shoot a video after all. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah. OK, yeah. Uh, I feel like the emotional weight of that is lifted finally. I got to get (laughs) all of that out. There's been so much of it rattling around in my brain. I'm glad we went early this week because oh, so many things that had to be said there. But yeah, I'm ready to... No, I got the the last thing because you mentioned the camera being on Endeavor's face. And I like that the last cut that they had was um, when he was unveiled as the number one hero. And he said, like, just watch me. Mm. And so... he, he's going to get it together. He's going to fight Shoto. His leadership is astonishing at this point because mm-hmm. the second that backup came up, he's ordering everybody like what to do next. Mm-hmm. And he's like taking the stand because he's kind of the only healthy person there right now. He told Nedra what to do. He told Ida what to do. And so his, his leadership definitely stood out. And the fact that pun intended, the final burn from Dobby was that he actually called his attack, the prominence burn. Mm. Like, 
that that's kind of like the final jab is that I'm going to kill you with your own move. Mm. You you wonder if that was the move he was teaching him when the forest went up in flames. Like that's what he was yeah. training was his own prominence yeah. burn. He's like, hey, dad, it's me. Like, welcome I back. It. But I will say <laughs> me saying, hey, dad, it's me. One thing I picked up on throughout pretty much the entire ep- or the entire arc thus far, it's been hero names. Anyone has called him Endeavor. Shoto has said, hey, Endeavor, go save them. Do whatever you got to do. In that moment that Dobby was flying at him, he started referring to him as dad. It was dad. Let's go get your head in the game. I need your help, dad. Like he switched entirely. He was no longer an ally. He was just his son. And that Mm. was also a big moment for me that I was like, oh, this is this is going to weigh on all of them big time. But yeah, it's there's a lot there. And I really hope, Jay Scotty, you said something that really tipped me off. I hope Endeavor's safe. But the idea of uh, Shoto taking up the mantle, Shoto is one of the other people who his hero name is Shoto. Could he pick up Endeavor instead of Shoto? Mm. I hope the answer is no. But that could be another reason that he didn't pick a name similar to Bakugo, didn't really pick a name. Could be, could be. But yeah, I will jump us into the uh, little toga arc that we had there on the side because I wanted to go back to Jonathan's email. Um, I wanted to say this at the top, but we were definitely going into Toya land. So I was like, I'll save this for later. (laughs) Um, There's no way we can hold off on that conversation. No, I was like, this needs to happen. Now, we talk about continuity with this show. It's amazing. It's always amazing. We're going to keep talking about it. This has been another one of my favorite examples, and it is the Christmas gift from Deku. That was a throwaway thing during the Secret Santa event. Never a throwaway thing. And that's exactly (laughs) it. I remembered seeing that in the background, and once again, I was the Leonardo DiCaprio point, like, it's got to be from Deku. She got Deku. It's so cute. Like, it was just this little moment of like, oh, who got it for her? We know who it is. Like, I never would have expected it to come back that she's carrying this on her. Not only did she keep it, but during her hero time, in her outfit, in her belt, Oh, it's so cute. Like, there's just Mm. nothing else beyond, like, not only is it amazing continuity, but it's so endearing of, like, you know, if you did have a good friend like that, whether it's romantic or platonic, you would have that thing to remind them, hey, I have to do the right thing. Because, you know, he did that during the training arc, or not the training arc, the arena arc, rather, where it was like, hey, you can do this yourself go get them. And she, like, had to stand up for herself in those moments. Like, he's always been an ally to her as a hero let alone as a great friend or possible romantic interest i just oh it was so much fun to get that beyond the way that then toga found out oh you like him too yeah i needed to call that out i was just so happy that that like came back around full circle Mm -hmm. dude that unveil of toga's power was very interesting where if she loves somebody enough she can copy their quirk too i was like whoa wait what do you mean that's what with the because I'm I feel like this was during the villain arc, but that was the part that I didn't get to rewatch before this happened. But Toga unveiled that like because her power is that she can copy people's appearances. No, mm-hmm. it's quirk. With blood, she can copy the quirk. Because I think I think that was a reveal last season. Is that her quirk game had been upped? I think it previously was just the appearance, but then. When she dropped that that lady, that was I think she was like the the face of the you know the Liberation Army, mm-hmm. kind of like the PR specialist in conjunction with um, Skeptic. 
But yeah, they had that long drawn out battle where she really had her doubting herself and then she was able to basically levitate them all in the air and then drop them to the concrete. Because we had this conversation last week. Remember, Deku freaked out that she got some of his blood and it was like, oh, is she going to be able to copy my quirk? That w- That's not because she was just going to like swallow his blood. It was because her quirk is copying quirks because I think they went into the deeper explanation of, oh, like you can't take some quirks because they're like visually or body modification like there were certain Mm. ones they gave the limitations on what quirks she could or couldn't take and that's the only reason i remember that like quirks came up as a conversation of something that she could take it's i don't believe it's love that's why i was like wait love no i think that's what her shtick is when she used, when she transformed in Uraraka, she was able to use a zero gravity quirk. It turns out that Toga's transformation can also duplicate her victim's power, so this is a new thing. She used it to really finish off Curious and her followers. With that said, Toga can only awaken special abilities if she's fully knowledgeable of her victim. Given her obsession with Uraraka, it's not a surprise that Toga was able to copy her quirk. Okay. So it's so. twofold. So like she if she were to take, for instance, Aizawa if she knew that it's a visual thing, she may be able to do it, but we're saying she can really do it for those she loves because of her deeper knowledge of them. Correct. Okay, I can I can accept that. Yeah. I, I'm on board yeah, with and that. And her duration of being able to copy people depends on how much of the blood she consumes. Okay, makes yeah, sense. I, I do remember that because she was talking about how little she got from some people and how that was going to matter. Yeah, mm. so I feel like the core copying thing was something a little uh, newer. Yeah, I, I that's that was kind of my take on it too. But yeah. sounds like we're all somewhat right. Yeah. So, so oh, yeah. um, yeah. So that unveil and the way that Uraka responded, like, how dare you use my powers like that? Also, mm-hmm. watching Uraka in action now that she has like those grappling hooks and like you see all the technique coming together, and she's so confident. You know, we saw her with the rescue stuff, but even in action, she's like ready to go. I love her character development so much. Yeah, even the fact that she doesn't get, I mean, it makes sense given the heated situation, but the fact that she doesn't get flustered for once when someone acknowledges she has a crush on Izuku, Mm -hmm. she's like owning it. And I kind of disagree with her when she says those feelings should be like shut down because, and I, I think, you know, we're talking about her character development. Maybe this is something that she'll learn, but Toga says it to her, like, when when I deny these feelings, they just get bigger and bigger. And while, yeah, she has responsibilities as a hero and should not be engaging in romance at this time, per se, um, I don't think she should be denying who she is or what she wants or shutting down her feelings. I think that's a lesson that she's going to learn. Uh, But yeah, I took that as kind of like in the moment, like I'm fighting right now. I shouldn't be thinking about this because you said like she gets flustered. But I I do see what you're saying with just kind of like the general like controlling your mindset Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. type thing. Yeah. Uh, One of my other favorite moments, uh, forgive me if I'm, you know, doing a hard pivot here. But when Froppy came on the scene and Toga called her Sue, she's like with her tongue still out. She's like, I thought I told you to stop calling me that. I just. I love Froppy so much. So for anytime she gets more to do and deliver that kind of like deadpan humor, I love it. Hats off to the voice talent that has to like stick their tongue out as they're talking. <laughs> I told you not to call me that. <laughs> it sounds so good, though. That's the craziest part. Like yeah. they do an amazing job of that voice acting. But yeah, no, Froppy saving the day. It, it was a nice moment. And honestly, 
I, I wish we had a little bit more time for that fight. Not mm. in this episode. Please give me all of the Toya story. But there, I feel like there was still a little bit more that wanted to happen there, especially because those two are just the hand-to-hand combat, too. Ever mm. since uh, Ochaka had that internship. Uh, gunhead martial arts. Yeah, the gunhead yeah. martial arts. Like It felt like a throwaway. Oh, haha, the girly one's going to go do this. Nothing's a throwaway. And like seeing unless she's throwing someone over her shoulder. Yeah, unless there she's go. throwing them away. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was all good things. And it was nice to come to a quick end because this is what episode 11, 10, 23 overall uh, episode 11 <laughs> of the season. No, no, I'm getting confused with uh, Spy Family. Sorry, I was uh, messing with the, the notes earlier. Yeah, I'm like uh, 11. It might have been 123, but I don't know about 23. Um, Yeah, so I think we got 13 for the season. Or for the half of the season, rather. Half of the season. Don't do that to me, dude. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, everyone. That's that's on me. Uh, Yeah, so we have so much still left to, you know what, pun intended, wrap up just like Best Genus did. Um, Yeah, there's just a lot here. Dude, that was such a Dragon Ball Z entrance. Like, from the way that ship looked to him sitting in the back and just diving out, like, everything about that just screamed Dragon Ball Z to me, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah. And did we I ever did... know, like, the depth of his quirk? Like, I knew he could control fabrics, but, like, did it's we like know... Fibers, threads, really. Yeah, threads yeah. in general. So if it's a metal cable thread, it, he can control it. S- string theory, that's his power. That's so... <laughs> cool though like i would i was not known as fiber master and it allows him to manipulate every fiber in existence telekinetically with his power everyone having fibers on their body is within his range and a target for him that's scary it now explains (laughs) why he is a top 10 because i feel like we only ever saw him manipulating clothing before and i was like okay but how like give me it was even when him and three others went up against uh all for one unexpectedly and he did the attack and he like got the fibers on every one of the heroes and pulled them all out of harm's way and all for one even was like that's why you're number four I, I do have to say, because we had the – earlier in the season, we we brought it up, like, did Hawks actually kill Best Genus? I think the, like, cold open showing him on the ship, like, they could have done without that because it was obvious that it was him right then and there. Even though they didn't show his face, they, like, flashed yes. up to his belt buckle and it said BJ right there. So – and with, you know, Toya's speech about Hawks having done that as well, I think it would have made a lot bigger of an impact for Best Genus to show up there and be like, oh, he's still alive. Hell yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that might have just been for people to actually remember who this character was. That, that was a recap without doing Fair. a recap. Yeah, because it was a few episodes ago that we had kind of like the the little bit of the flashback where it was him in his apartment or whatever. Just talk about how he's not back in action yet because he's injured mm-hmm. from the all for one fight. Um, and, you know, Hawks talking to him and stuff. So that was the last that we saw of him before seeing this little peek. But that was also kind of the moment that I questioned, okay, did Hawks actually kill him? Because that felt like a final exchange before I'm going to kill you. Like, hey, you doing better? Can I just can I just sneak in here? Like, that's kind of what it felt like if Hawks actually went through it. And it's I will say it's nice to know. Like, I think there's I think there's honestly more relief in the fact that Hawks didn't kill someone than it is in the fact that best genus is alive. Like, that's great. That's going to help Endeavor's case with the video. Because he might just be able to so say it's only about Hawks. And he was just kind of like, well, best genius is alive. So like how much truth is there to what you're saying? 
Yeah, because it is also the question, like, do heroes have a license to kill? It doesn't come up all that often. No, Midnight had the whole thing about, you know, sedating somebody. Mm. Well. Don't get me started. Uh, yeah, th- there's a there's a you're not very... going to win this battle. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying <laughs> in the event a police officer is, you know, pursuing a murder or something along those lines, there is that blurry line that starts to be created do heroes get that or is it just a zero tolerance policy is like a question because it's immoral to kill him assuming he is running away from like the way it was like oh he stabbed him in the back while he was trying to help his friends but he had to stop this in any way possible Mm -hmm. i'm not saying it's the right thing to do by any means but like at what point is the law going to extend is no, the they, question. They definitely don't have a they've they've talked enough about like the morals of like what makes heroes heroes and there's definitely like a high ethical and moral boundary that they have to keep in order to you know keep their licenses in act otherwise you know they almost put um Ida Bakugo and Shoto in jail for hurting Stain to the mm. extent that they did because his his he punctured his lungs and he passed out and the cops were like, we're just going to say that Endeavor fought him. And that it wasn't students. But like, well, I thought I, they, they take that stuff very seriously in this universe. I thought that well, was more for the fact of like, they didn't have licenses. But still, it's that's, that's the perception of, of heroes and all that too. But yeah, no, we're getting nitpicky. I'm getting yeah. nitpicky. What's new? Well, with they don't have also- license to kill is what I'm saying. You know, they're going to do what they can to bring these people down within their within their ethics and boundaries and stuff but like if they kill somebody there is going to be like repercussions for it that's right their bond has the license to kill that's uh spy family not my hero i okay that's it yeah to make an allusion to another popular superhero with plus ultra quirks come plus ultra responsibilities (laughs) i was gonna do the Uh batman line of like i'm not gonna kill you but <laughs> if you, I don't have you to either. save you either. <laughs> Crunch. What a line. <laughs> that one and uh, I'm not going to kill you because your hospital bills will. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we've gone kind of long on this one, understandably so, with the great impact of this episode. But I feel like we should uh, start to close the book on this one. Any final thoughts before we get into plugs? Bring on the next one. Yeah, just just keep it coming. It's all good. Just do it. <laughs> Chainsaw family tomorrow. Oh god. Chainsaw family. Chainsaw family. <laughs> Chainsaw man. <laughs> I had to. I had to get my spy family mix up in there too. <laughs> Morphle. Uh, okay. It's because right. I've seen so many of these Anya and Deki crossovers. Mm. Oh, the the memes are just Mwah. chef's kiss. Mm. But if you uh, want to okay. see more of those memes, you can follow us on our social media, where I repost some of those on our story, Animation Deliberation Podcast. Like I said, for Facebook and Instagram, and Animation Delib One on Twitter. Zuhair, anything to let the people know about any appearances on other shows or whatnot? Uh, check out 323 with Reed Murphy for all the sports talk and make sure you go to strandpanda.com. There's a show for everything and they are all fantastic. 
Okay, I don't really have anything this week, so I will just plug again. If you like what we're doing here, send us some feedback, leave us a review, give us a five-star rating, and share us with your friends. It would be greatly appreciated. So thank you to everyone for listening and tuning in. That's T-O-O N-I-N. B plus ultra, and as always, stay whelmed. Until we get our final victory, muscle, muscle. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Nerds, do you copy? We need your help. It's your turn to save Hawkins. Unlock your power as you journey through the halls of Hawkins Lab into the Upside Down. Team up with Eleven, Dustin, Mike, Lucas, Max, and Will to save your city before it's too late. Once you make it out, grab a bite at Scoops Ahoy or Surfer Boy Pizza, play in the Palace Arcade, and snag exclusive merch. Stranger Things, the experience now open in Atlanta. Get your tickets at StrangerThings-Experience.com and be the hero of your own adventure. For food lovers, there's no place on earth like Mississippi, where sweet, spicy, and smoky flavors satisfy your spirits, wherever you wander. Plan today at visitmississippi.org slash dining. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Are you one of the 1.5 million Georgians without health insurance? Visit georgiaaccess.gov to connect with the resources to find affordable private and public health care options. You may be eligible for financial assistance programs, including Medicaid and Peach Care for Kids. Even healthy people need coverage. An unexpected medical emergency can hurt you and your wallet. Open enrollment for health insurance plans ends January 15th, so don't wait. Visit georgiaaccess.gov today. This holiday, whether you're making a Kroger Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Kroger has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 